Does COVID have you feeling stalled at work? Cornell ILR Professional Education can help you get back on the road to career growth. Visit discover.ilr.cornell.edu to get started. Work is all around us. It defines us. The future of work impacts nearly every person on our planet. And the ILR School at Cornell University is influencing policy and practice around the world. In this episode of Work, exploring the future of work, labor, and employment, Dean Alex Colvin speaks with Tony Byers, Director of Diversity and Inclusion Programs at the ILR Center for Advanced HR Studies. Well, it's a pleasure to be talking today with uh, Tony Byers from the ILR School, uh, one of our uh, experts in-house here at the school. And we're going to be talking today about uh, their diversity, equity, and inclusion, which obviously has come to the fore in uh, 2020, particularly in the wake of the George Floyd killing uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, this this is something that obviously the school has been studying for and teaching about for many years. And uh, Tony, I know this is an area you've been working on for for many years, uh, developing your expertise in this in this area, working with organizations. I want to maybe start off by uh, looking at this question of how do organizations deal with this? Many organizations have been pledging that they're going to do better at DEI. Uh, many of us in different organizations, Cornell included, have read read the book. We've done that, but but now what? What's the what's the next next step? How do we move forward in this area? Yeah, thank you for having me, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to share a few aspects regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I, and and just to start with your first question, that's a very complex. But really simple answer. The simple answer is now it's time for us to act, right? We have to now do something. Mm -hmm. The complexity comes from the standpoint of whatever type of business that we're in. And for us, we're in academics and for others who um, are maybe in for-profit organizations, whether it's customer service or they're selling products or whatever the issues are that they're managing. The question is, um, what are you now going to do to improve your environment so that the concept of diversity, equity, and inclusion lives? You know, like you said, many organizations, we've read the book and some people have made a pledge to do better where you see things like they've placed a square over their social media box one day in August as their way of standing in solidarity with the, the concept of <laughs> diversity, equity, and inclusion. But what I think that we have learned from the George Floyd incident and the subsequent Black Lives Matter engagement is that it's no longer enough for us just to say we support you. What that community, this community, individuals who are champion diversity, equity, and inclusion, what they're asking for is so tell us what are you going to do? You got a statement on your wall. You have a statement on your social media page. Your CEOs and leaders have all said, yeah, I'm for this. But when you ask them what to do, people say, I really don't know. Uh, so we're going to go training and we're going to read a book. Uh, and so that's great. But that still hasn't got us to that point where you have been willing to make some difficult decisions, uh, to change some policies and practices, to hold people accountable for uh, living uh, this stuff. So the question really is, how do we make this? value come to life uh, versus acknowledging that it should be a value. And that's that's where the real trick lies. Right. So we've got to go beyond just uh, making rhetorical statements, making commitments, and then actually follow through on it. Uh, 
Well, what are some of the examples that you've seen of organizations taking steps that do actually go beyond, you know, those kind of commitments that we hear a lot of organizations say they're going to they're going to make? What do we see in terms of good examples of actual uh, concrete steps that organizations can take that, that, that do make progress? Really good question there as well. And um, again, this is one of those things that varies depending on the industry you're in. So I'm gonna give a couple of different industries an example. So let's start with banking. That's a group that has decided that our way of demonstrating our commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion is now, in addition to the services we provide to the larger general community, like anybody can use this bank, what we've decided is that we are going to now dedicate some resources that are specifically geared to helping underrepresented groups or groups that have had historical exclusion. In this case, we're talking about those individuals who identify as Black or African American. And the approach that they have taken is that we're going to support, you know, um, Chase, JP Morgan Chase, you know, $30 million over five, six years. Uh, you know, some organizations have been looking at close to a billion dollars over a period of time to say we're going to support businesses we're going to you know do more around colleges and education we're definitely going to look at our hiring and think about where is it that we can improve and ensure that we get more inclusive hiring where is it that we can do to build more leadership that happens to represent larger communities and so what you're seeing is this intentional focus in every aspect of our business. Inside, what we do to hire and recruit people, what we do to develop and coach and support people, and then outside of the business, what is it, the services that we provide, but then they're going above and beyond their actual services and say, and now what we're going to do is we're gonna uh, provide very specific support to those groups. So banking industry are some of the ones that are doing that. Technology industries are some of the ones that have done I work with a um, small tech, no, tech firm that does software, uh, and what they decided is that they were going to actually start a coding academy in various communities across the country to teach young people of color from low economic backgrounds, perhaps maybe even diverse backgrounds, how to code. So they're looking at that long-term viability of if we're going to get people an opportunity to be successful in our environment, then how do we engage them earlier than, well, like, you need, we need two hires right now and this is our criteria. Oh, do we change it? Do we adjust it? Can we find talent? They're just removing that question away and saying, we're gonna just go and build our own talent and say that, you know, prepare people to be successful. Uh, so you see organizations doing that. They're going down to community level, really engaging, really putting resources, really trying to address some of the systemic disparities that exist because of school districts happen to have different tax bases and so students have different experiences. They're providing more services. So it's that direct contact that you see that's happening that's above and beyond what they do as a business. And I think that's the key part, you know, is yes, we do sell software. Yes, we are a bank. Yes, we are an educational institution and we can make opportunities available in what we do every day. But where I think you see the real magic at those organizations that are saying, where do we go above and beyond what we do every day? And how can we touch people, young people, provide opportunities and ensure that we'll have a viable future uh, for diversity, equity, and inclusion moving forward? In addition to leaders deciding to say, inside, gotta be accountable, we're gonna make some differences and we're gonna make some hard decisions. That's really what it takes. 
Uh, just to follow up on that, it's interesting that you're talking about some examples, both of things organizations can do internally in terms of uh, their own workforce developing there, and then also uh, these external examples of what we do as a business, who we engage with externally, what communities we engage with, how we engage with them. Are, are those two things linked together? Uh, how, do, how do they connect together with each other? Good question. In some cases, they are. And so I think some of the best examples that I have been able to witness so recently is, this sounds odd, is that they were both, right? They're, you know, yes, this is what we do, but we haven't been as intentional. And then there are those others that are saying, yeah, we're clear about what we do, but we know we need to go out and do more, engage more. And so you might decide to look at how do we expand our services that's directly related to our business? So the software company, for example, you know, yes, they provide software, but they provide it to corporate organizations. Um, you know, it's financial software. They do a lot of different things. They've never really thought about maybe how do we expose our financial software to a community of individuals who may not necessarily buy the product, but they're still operating in their lane, if you will. So they didn't have to create a brand new business or a brand new community-based organization. We know software. So what we're gonna do is just make it more accessible and, and decide to give people an opportunity to engage in the subject. It sounds like you're saying is that it needs to be really integrated into, into your business, like really part of what you're doing as an organization, not sort of a, an extra add-on thing that's somehow separate from uh, what we're doing. It's gotta be really part of what you're doing. Yeah, I actually think that is where you see the better examples when it's a part of your business, because, you know, we got to do what we know. <laughs> so and what we're trying to do is expand opportunities in our industry or in our area. So if this is what we're good at, um, how do you do it? So if it's a company that sells a product, for example, you know, you may not necessarily go out and teach people how to make tennis shoes, um, but you might decide to go out and um, engage with individuals and decide to give them other skill sets. Maybe it's more financial, maybe it's more marketing, maybe it's design. Individuals that you have inside of your institution that can actually make connections with that community is where the opportunity lies. Well, we're uh, we're an academic institution, so yes, we you know, what we do what we do is <laughs> research. We do teaching. We try and educate about issues that we think are important. And right. you're going to be leading one of our programs this spring, the ILR's uh, Chief Diversity Officer Training Program. I was wondering if you could tell us a little about how it's going to prepare workplace leaders to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion in their organizations. Yes, I'm really excited about this program. And, you know, the the original impetus for it was to, this was before the George Floyd stuff, this maybe over the last year or two, we just started looking at the role of the chief diversity officer, sometimes called CDO. Um, and one of the things that I've noticed is that there are a large number of organizations that are starting to tap individuals on the shoulder to serve as a chief diversity officer who do not come from the diversity and equity and inclusion background. They don't have that experience or training. They are business leaders, line leaders, functional leaders, and maybe that they're utilizing, the organization is utilizing the role of CDO as a rotation into a larger leadership role. So now you have a group of individuals, very savvy business leaders, and they're being asked to lead diversity and inclusion. What we discovered or what I've discovered with them is that they can develop a strategy, they know certain tactics, they know the organization, 
but they still sometimes have a difficult time dealing with the nuance of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And honestly, the speed at which it changes inside of an organization. And those things can take people back. So what we started to think about is what can we provide for those individuals who are business leaders, have business experience or line experience, but are new to diversity and inclusion, how can we provide some engagement or some development opportunities for them so that they can partner with researchers and academics like us, uh, as well as individuals from the field who are leading leaders in diversity and inclusion and learn the nuances, the behind the scene, the what I wish I knew as a diversity and equity um, and inclusion leader inside of an organization. Had I known this 10 years ago, these things would be different. So it's this unique thing of getting best practice, best research, best change, change type data, along with practitioners who've actually done and led it in the field and helping to accelerate the learning for those new chief diversity officers. And then finally, the last, and I think the probably one of the most exciting pieces of this is what can we as a diversity, equity, and inclusion industry learn from these new leaders who can come and bring a fresh perspective and, and hopefully develop some innovative approaches to how to lead diversity, equity, and inclusion inside of organizations from for that standpoint, I think it's just gonna be very exciting for us to see what we learn as well as what we can do to help prepare people to be successful. It sounds like a fantastic program. I'm, I'm betting you're going to get some interesting conversation amongst the participants. Um, it'll be really interesting to see who's, uh, who's part of the class as, as they're going through this course. Yeah, um, I, I, that's, I think that's where the excitement lies, you know, just the ability for individuals to say, hey, how do we look at this different uh, when diversity leaders will say, no, this is the way to look at it. And I think that that approach is going to bring a lot of innovation and it's exciting. You know, I always tell people diversity, equity and inclusion or just diversity as an industry has been around for 60 to 70 years. And one of the fascinating things about it is that we're, we're talking about the same things today in which we were 70 years ago. So that to me means that we perhaps might need to think about doing something different if we want to uh, have a new approach or have greater success in this space. And getting these leaders with different perspectives together who are responsible for DNI to learn the basics or to learn some of the behind the scenes, but give us a new perspective. In my mind, that's, that's, that's where we're going to get some innovative outcomes from there. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, but that is really exciting. And, and the idea that we need to, to make this a long ongoing process, you know, as you say, it's been, it's been around for 70 years and, and we've, we've, been working on it for a long period of time. 20, 2020 might have given us this, this yeah. boost, yeah. Right? but it's not a one-shot deal. Definitely. 2020 has served as a flywheel for us, unfortunately, um, yeah. you know, because the thing that accelerates it means that someone, in this case, a number of people um, had to uh, have unfortunate experiences where they lost their lives. And now we got people at a point where they're paying attention to it. Um, and so how do we seize the moment? And, and then how do we ensure that it's a movement, that it continues to, to move on beyond uh, the 2020 experience? It, you know, honestly, we're dealing with a lot of things in 2020, and it sounds like 2021, and uh, there's not a lot of mind share for our emotion or energy for a lot of things, but we, we are at a point where we can actually moonshot this and, and take a big step forward. So I'm pretty excited about that, that potential. 
you know, we've talked quite a lot about what organizations could be doing and how to kind of develop the leadership of organizations. But it's also the case a lot of individual people have uh, been thinking, hey, you know, I, I, I'd like to do more to advance diversity, equity, inclusion in my organizations. What can I do as an individual? I may not be a CEO or a CEO or uh, a top organizational leader, but I want to help out in my organization. What can I do to advance uh, diversity, equity, inclusion? Uh, do we have any advice for, uh, for what an individual can do? Great question there as well. And this is the this is that one that is simple and complex. We need people to act, right? But the complexity is how do we go back and get to the steps? So I understand why individuals have taken the approach of development and reading because there's actually stages of being able to make a difference in this space. And the first stage is individual. What are you doing as an individual to learn, gather new knowledge, understand the issues that are relevant, uh, those kind of things. So this is where we have been for a period of time. Oh, it's all about educating and learning. Now, inside of an organization or system, you move from this individual perspective to this team, uh, this team perspective asks us, how do I behave on the team or what's my role or responsibility on the team to create an environment that values equity and inclusion? Um, and so then it is, how am I giving an opportunity to people? How am I engaging with people if I'm not a leader? How am I observing the environment and standing up when I see things that are not appropriate or, or go against diversity, equity, inclusion? You have to be in a position, in a place where you can call it out. You're speaking from your knowledge of what you learned and the experience, you see it, you understand it. Now I'm now I'm taking steps to stop it and wanna to try to do something different. So from individual to team, from team to organization. So now as an organization, a collective of individuals, what are we doing to stop what we see that is inappropriate, create an environment that values equity and inclusion, uh, ensure that we have opportunity for people to participate in the process. And then now we're starting to make better decisions as an organization. Um, and then finally, from the organization to a community, and that's where we get to the outside of our organization. So you can see how this relates to what we talked about in, uh, in, the, in the beginning of our conversation. So there is a framework or there's, a, there's stages of this. And what I want people to, to take away from this conversation is that the individual learning aspect of it is actually just the first step. So you go from individual to team, to team, to organization, to organization, to community. And once we learn to pull all of those things together, then we start to create this environment where diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, starts to permeate throughout our large community. But what happens is that we stop too much at the individual aspect. Now, I, I know this is a long answer, but I often hear people say, well, you know, Tony, I read the book, but now what do you want me to do? Uh, and uh, <laughs> that's a hard question for some. And so, yes, there is a, a, another framework that they call the three A's, um, and that is uh, awareness. And that's what the book reading is supposed to do. Uh, and then there is uh, well, awareness or acknowledgement. We, we need you kind of to acknowledge that it's happening. You know, for a long time, we weren't comfortable saying that this stuff actually exists anymore. So we need you to acknowledge it. And then once you acknowledge it, you get to the stage where you can affirm. That's the second A. Uh, and that affirmation comes from, you know, you being able to talk about it, you being able to point it out, you being able to see things that take place. And then after you get to the affirmation, then you can act. Uh, and that act 
you know, then becomes easier for you once you have a knowledge and then you have uh, have some awareness. So what you need to, I'm sorry, when you affirm. So what you need to be able to do is just to pull those two, three things together and then where you act, how you act, why you act becomes so much easier for you to answer. But what people do is they see an experience, they feel the emotion, which we all do, and then they want to act right away when they're not aware or they haven't even affirmed actually what was going on. And so I, I want to give people a break, take yourself through these stages. And, you know, I've, I've, I stumbled on them, but I definitely want to make sure that I get clear about them. It is the ability to be able to acknowledge and then affirm and then you can act. And that's where we get the best. Yeah, I think that's a uh, that's a powerful message for people to hear that uh, this is a long journey and we need to understand that there's going to be multiple steps along the way. Uh, you know, you'd started off talking about that with organizations need to go beyond the kind of statement of wanting to be an inclusive organization and actually take actions. And then the same thing as individuals. Um, you know, are, are you an optimist? Uh, where do you see us um, at the at the end of this process? Do you think we're we're going to make progress? Love that question. And uh, the way that I respond to it is I tell people that I am frustratedly optimistic, you know, so it's the phrase that I've kind of created. Uh, I'm definitely frustrated because uh, people had to lose their lives. We seem to be having the same conversation over again. You wonder if there's going to be anything different this time, because there are a lot of moments slash movements that I could point to over the last 60 years where I thought this is the one, this is the one that's going to make change. I am eternally optimistic and hopefully optimistic from the standpoint of I can definitely see how this time is very different than any time that I've seen before. Part of it has been the breadth of it, you know, this is turned in from a local community movement in Minneapolis, which, by the way, I lived uh, and grew up a block and a half away from where George Floyd was murdered. That's my neighborhood community. So it started at a community issue. It became a global phenomenon. And then you throw in um, or you add in, you know, Breonna Taylor and others who have experienced, you know, these tragedies. And so we, we see is it went from a community issue inside of a small state in the U.S. to this global thing where you have individuals talk across the globe carrying signs that read Floyd or Taylor who are making um, conversation or creating conversation and asking organizations to do different to sports figures being a part of it, to community leaders, to business leaders, and to young people, to old, to all different types of backgrounds all over the world. That is, you, you have to be optimistic when you see um, all of these people come together and decide at the same time, let's all do something. So this whole movement of everyone locking arms and deciding we need to take one big step forward creates a great deal of optimism for me. And I'm super, super excited about it versus one person taking a step forward. We have the entire world willing to do something at this moment. The question is, uh, what will we do? How will we do it together? And there's this famous quote that says, after it's all said and done, let's just hope there's a lot more done than said. Well, that's a great way to close. Uh, thank you, Tony. Um, I appreciate the insights you've given us and uh, let's, uh, let's all try to stay frustratedly optimistic uh, going forward. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to work with you and be here. And yes, let's remain frustratingly optimistic. 
Thank you for listening to Work. You can subscribe to our podcast at work.ilr.cornell.edu or on iTunes. If you have a recommendation for a guest or topic to be discussed on a future episode, just click on the link in the show notes of this episode and leave your suggestion. Again, thank you for listening.